Well, good morning and happy Easter, everyone. Uh, what a wonderful day of celebration uh, this is for those of us who are Christians. And what hope Easter Sunday morning uh, offers the world at this difficult time. A different Easter uh, for all of us as we gather uh, in our homes this Sunday. Uh, but we do so celebrating the truth that Jesus Christ the Lord uh, is risen today. Uh, that death is defeated, that sin has a hold of us no more, uh, that new life awaits uh, and heaven awaits. 1 Corinthians 15 reminds us of these words. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. What a wonderful encouragement for those of us who are Christians this morning, uh, that death has been defeated, uh, that sin has been dealt with on the cross, that our faith is not in vain uh, because the Easter story did not end uh, with the cross. It ends with resurrection and with the ascension of Jesus back up into heaven to be with his Father. And that gives us a tremendous hope, an eternal hope, that one day too we will be with Jesus. And so we stand firm in our faith this morning and we worship the Lord together. And to lead us in worship uh, this Easter Sunday morning. He is alive. He is alive. Let us pray. Thank you, Nick, for leading us in worship. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you for that tremendous promise, that tremendous truth that we hold on to uh, today, that we have the promise of eternal life because Jesus Christ is risen today. And we thank you for that salvation hope we have. We thank you for that resurrection hope uh, that we have this morning. And we pray that as we just spend a few moments together, uh, that we might worship you together, uh, that we might be drawn closer to you. Uh, and we thank you that because you are alive, that you are present with us in our homes as we gather together in your name. So Lord, we just commit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this Easter weekend, I've been thinking about the word transformation and how the resurrection on Easter Sunday transformed everything and is still transforming lives today, including yours and mine. Last week, we were looking at Jesus on the road of suffering as he journeys towards the cross for us. And we noted just that spiritual, physical, mental and emotional battle he went through for our salvation. And we've been reading uh, during Holy Week through the Gospel accounts in Luke. And last week we were thinking about the Garden of Gethsemane. And just the way how Jesus was burdened by what was before him. Not just the physical pain of going to the cross. But the fact that for the first time he was going to experience two things he had never experienced before. Sin and separation from the Father. 
These are two incredible moments at the cross as Jesus, the Holy Son of God, who was perfect, the one who had committed no sin, took upon himself the sin of the world. But what is more, because of our sin which he took upon himself, that intimacy with the Father which Jesus knew within the Trinity is periodically broken as Jesus cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That theme of separation and abandonment runs throughout the Easter story. We saw in chapter 22 of Luke's Gospel how Jesus has already been abandoned by some of his closest followers. As within his inner circle of disciples, firstly he is betrayed by Judas. And then he is denied three times by Peter. And what of the other disciples? Well, one by one it seems that they fled the scene out of fear. Here is Jesus alone without some of his closest earthly friends during his time of need as he is arrested and then he is taken to Golgotha to the cross to Calvary to be crucified and then in those darkest of hours as Jesus life draws to an end so the father turns away from him here is Jesus and he declares on the cross that it is finished, his life's work, his mission completed. And then he breathes his last. And we expect that to be the end of the story. A good life which has ended much too soon, tragically taken like many before him and those who have come after. Chapter 23 ends with a group of women who have been following Jesus through his ministry with a man named Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, and they take Jesus' body down from the cross, they wrap it in linen, and then they place it into a tomb that is cut into a rock. And surely the life of Jesus has now ended, and the women retreat to mourn and to prepare the last acts of burial in order to lay Jesus to rest. But amazingly, the Gospel of Luke does not end at chapter 23. It contains a 24th chapter. And in Luke 24, we have this amazing account of that first Easter morning as the women go back to the tomb in order to prepare uh, the body and to care for Jesus and to lay him to rest. And we hear these words recorded in Luke 24, 1 to 8. It says this on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces towards the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead he is not here he has risen remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified and on the third day be raised again then they remembered his words 
Put yourselves in the shoes of these women for a moment. Imagine you have seen Jesus die on the cross. You've seen his body taken off the cross. You've been there as it's been wrapped in linen and laid to rest in a tomb on Good Friday. Then within the Jewish culture at sundown on Friday till three stars appear in the sky on Saturday evening, usually around 6pm, it is the Jewish Sabbath day, which does not permit anyone to do anything which might be classed as work. Nor is anyone allowed to travel beyond a certain distance. This is something this Easter in a unique way we can begin to relate with as we are in lockdown at home. So these women have been forced to stay at home, they're preparing spices and they're resting until Sunday comes, the first day of the week in the Jewish calendar, when that Sabbath lockdown is lifted. And again we can put our feet in their shoes, because as that lockdown is lifted now they're free to travel and to go to the tomb. And they're eager to get out and about and eager to go and see Jesus as soon as possible in order to tend to his body. So before first light, John's gospel records it was still dark. We find them hurrying to the tomb to tend to Jesus' body, the body of the one they loved so much. But this is where the story takes a twist. The first clue that all is not as it should be is found at the start of verse 2, which tells us on arrival that they found the stone rolled away. The entrance to a Jewish tomb, many of which were cut into rock, was quite small. And then typically it was covered by a circular stone which could be rolled into place, usually by a couple of people. And it was said on average that those stones Uh, weighed between one and two tons. The second clue that all is not as it seems is found in verses three and four where we're told that they enter into the tomb only to find that Jesus' body has gone. Followed by a third clue that things are amiss and that on entry to the tomb they are greeted by two angels. What a strange morning this is turning out to be. You wonder if they had learned by now that when Jesus is involved, things are never quite straightforward in the best possible way. Well, all the gospel writers record uh, the Easter story in different ways. And Matthew's gospel uh, gives us a few extra details. Uh, Turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 27 and 28. And we're going to start reading at chapter 27, verse 62. It says this, The chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. So they said, We remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said that after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, 
make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went, made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Wonderful words. Well, Matthew's Gospel tells us that in addition to the stone being rolled over the entrance, that the tomb was sealed. That is that a Roman seal was affixed to the stone that secured the tomb. The seal was a warning to all that this tomb was under the power and the protection of the Roman Empire. Anyone who broke the seal would be committing a crime, a crime that was punishable by execution on a cross as you were crucified upside down. But there's more. You see, the religious authorities have remembered what Jesus himself taught, that he would rise from the dead after three days. They are concerned that perhaps his followers will manipulate his teaching by seeking to steal his body and claim that he has risen from the dead and as a result to cause some sort of uproar and commotion within the city. But you wonder perhaps after all these religious authorities have witnessed in Jesus' tremendous power and all his miracles, were there doubts that lingered in their mind? Did they wonder at night, are we truly rid of Jesus? The remarkable thing is that while the religious authorities have remembered Jesus' teaching, it seems for the time being that his own followers have forgotten what he taught. Well, after discussion, Pilate orders that a Roman guard also be placed at the tomb in order to secure it. These were military men. They were fighting men. They were disciplined. They knew not to fall asleep on the job, nor to abandon their post. Things that could be punishable by torture or death. Well, Matthew tells us that there is a severe earthquake and an angel of the Lord descends and the guards shake and in some sort of shape or form, they seem to pass out. Now, when Mary and the others arrive at the tomb, the guards have obviously come round by this point and they have fled the scene. 
Because in all of the gospel accounts, there's no record at all of any interaction between the woman coming to the tomb and guards. Instead, these women are met by angels who have rolled the stone away. Interesting question to ask yourself is why was the stone rolled away? Many assume it was rolled away in order to let Jesus out of the tomb. But could it have been rolled away instead to let these women into the tomb? These women who would become eyewitnesses of the gospel in order that they might see the evidence for themselves. We know it in Jesus' latter resurrection appearances recorded in God's word that Jesus was seemingly able to pass through doors and walls in order to appear to his disciples. Such things that were physical restrictions for us were not barriers for him. Well, to start with, there is confusion. It's interesting that the authorities assume that his followers have taken the body, while Jesus' followers assume the opposite. Indeed, in John's Gospel, Mary exclaims, they, referring to the authorities and others, have taken his body and we don't know where they have put it. The assumption on all sides is perfectly logical. All assume that someone else has taken the body. No one assumes resurrection. Now, from a human perspective, uh, it's quite logical to us. Why would they? But note the angels' questions, which brought perhaps the greatest surprise of all recorded in Luke's Gospel. What was the angels' question? Why do you look for the living among the dead? It is this question that changes everything for the women. These women had seen Jesus die and be buried. They visited the tomb to see a dead man. But suddenly their whole perspective is turned upside down. Imagine the questions and thoughts that must have been running through their minds. We've spent the last 48 hours thinking about the cross, discussing the events at Calvary. They must have been emotionally drained, consumed with what they had seen on Good Friday as Jesus hung on the cross. But as they arrive at the tomb that Easter Sunday morning, suddenly everything is about to change. Rather than thinking about the horrors of Good Friday and the cross, now all they could think about is this possibility of the resurrection and the idea that maybe, just maybe, Jesus had come back to life. I think many people still have a wrong perspective of Jesus. They proclaim him to be a good man. They look at his death and conclude that with it his legacy began. But they failed to look beyond the cross. They failed to contemplate the evidence of his resurrection and to take that step of faith and believe in his resurrection. And as a result, they fail to find him. You see, many people are still looking for Jesus among the dead. 
But we know as Christians that he is alive. The wonder of the Christian faith is that we can know Jesus, that we can have a personal relationship with Jesus today. When he walked the earth, he was confined by a human body to a certain time and place. But now that he has ascended back up into heaven, by his spirit, he is present with us all, wherever we gather in his name. Jesus' resurrection is the great hope that we have as Christians. Because of it, we can know Jesus. And because he has risen, we can also have a great hope that when we too pass through that valley of the shadow of death, that it will not be the end, but rather it will be the gateway into a new beginning, into eternal life. You see, the resurrection changes everything and it did for those women present that first Easter morning and it did for Jesus earliest followers as well these women came to honor a friend who had died but instead they discovered their friend was a lie what an emotional roller coaster these women were on from such a low they would have moved to such a high mixed with natural emotions of confusion and shock. Well, the last 48 hours were filled with grief. The coming days and weeks and months were going to be filled with joy. This was a day that they would never, ever forget. Jesus wasn't dead. He was alive. In the coming days, they must have recalled the words spoken by the angels. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Indeed, he had told them. The angels prompt helps them to begin to recall Jesus' own words and teachings. It was true. Jesus had told them again and again that he would have to suffer these things. But on the third day that he would rise again. What a wonderful truth this was. How could they have missed such a crucial part of his teaching? Before it didn't make sense to them. But now with the evidence of the empty tomb. Suddenly, it was all beginning to make sense. It was all beginning to fall into place for them. Of course he was alive. Of course he had power over death. Had he not a few days before his crucifixion raised their friend Lazarus from the dead? Well, the joy they must have experienced in their hearts. Their longing to see him again, to be with him again. You see, when someone seems lost forever, and then you discover that they have been found, when thought dead but now alive, how you cherish them even more. The loss, the grief of not seeing someone, now this message of hope. That's why we celebrate today. That's why we proclaim that Jesus is alive. As we end this morning, uh, we are going to take communion together. 
an act of celebration of this great truth and this great hope that we have in Jesus. Communion is a powerful symbol of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a reason to celebrate. It was a reminder for those who had been with Jesus through his earthly life of all they had experienced during Holy Week and during those short but action-packed three years with him. Those with him at the first Passover took the bread and the wine to remember their friend Jesus. And as the early church was established and the stories of Jesus were told, both orally and also written down and recorded in the Gospels, so that symbol of the bread and the wine, communion, was also passed around the early church, that they too may remember Jesus. And here we are 2,000 years later and we too take communion to remember Jesus. Not just the cross, but his resurrection and also all the incredible things that he did when he was amongst us that point to his true identity as the Son of God. But there's more. You see, the first time round, his closest followers missed his teaching about the resurrection. But after Easter Sunday, so much of what he taught them began to fall into place in fresh ways for the first time. Jesus' followers knew that following his resurrection, that Jesus had ascended to his Father in heaven. But he left them one final message. Friends, I'm going on ahead of you to prepare a place for you, but I'm coming back to take you to be with me. And so here are Jesus' closest followers, remembering their friend Jesus and all these incredible things that have happened. And they're talking about them and they're sharing them with one another, sharing perhaps their favourite memories of their time with Jesus as they break bread and drink wine together and wondering, just wondering when they might see him again, when he might return. And that's what we're waiting for. That's a tradition that's passed down through the church to us. The Apostle Paul says that we partake of the bread and the wine until he returns. So as we take this communion this morning, we do so remembering Jesus. And the beautiful thing is that the early church worshipped in homes. They prayed within their homes. They broke bread in their homes. And we're doing the same this morning. And although we cannot physically be together to share this meal, uh, although we can't be present with one another in person, we are united uh, in our love for the Lord Jesus Christ and we're united in one spirit together as a church. And so if you have the bread and the wine to hand this morning uh, in an attitude of celebration and remembrance of who Jesus is and all he has done for us, uh, we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the wine together. Uh, so let me just pray over the symbols, over the bread and the wine, uh, just to thank the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we will take the bread and the wine together. So Father God, this morning, in a very simple way, uh, we just celebrate your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that you are willing to release your one and only son 
uh, to come into the world uh, to suffer uh, and to die for us and our sins. And we thank you for this powerful reminder uh, that the bread and the wine is of your body broken and your blood shed. And Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are willing to step onto that road of suffering for us. But we thank you that you are not dead, that you are alive, that you have been raised up and that you have ascended and that you are sat at the right hand of God. And one day we will see you again and we will worship you in all your divine glory. So Lord, we pray that as we break this bread in our homes, that we might just remember you. Help us to be drawn close to the cross and to give thanks for the cross and the resurrection. Um, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this is the body of Christ, which is broken for you. Let's take the bread together. This is the blood of Jesus, which is shed for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus is alive. What a wonderful truth that we can hold on to this Easter Sunday morning. Thank you for being with us for this special Easter Sunday service. I do remember in prayer um, those in the church family and those around the world who are struggling with the coronavirus at this time. Uh, do remember that we've launched an appeal uh, within the church to help those who are most vulnerable at this time uh, within developing countries around the world. Uh, places where social distancing is perhaps not an option, uh, where you have a high density of people living together uh, in cities around our world, many not with access to clean water. And so you can give a one-off donation uh, to the church uh, using the bank details uh, and marking it with the reference COVID-19. As we end uh, our special uh, service this morning to celebrate Easter Sunday morning, normally if we were gathered together as a church, uh, we would then make our way out of the church at this point uh, in order to greet one another. Uh, we look forward to doing that again and also to let off uh, balloons in the past and then last year in order to be more environmentally friendly uh, we decided to trade in uh, those balloons uh, for bubbles. And so perhaps some of the children, some of the young people watching, uh, perhaps if you've been bored in isolation you've gone and bought some bubbles uh, this is a time that you can head out uh, doors now and uh, blow those bubbles and just celebrate that great truth that Christ is risen. I hope you have a wonderful Easter and God bless you.